Is your money working as hard as it could be for your future? A decade ago, Robinhood changed the investment landscape when they pioneered commission-free stock trading. Today, they continue to offer innovative products to help users build a better financial future, like IRAs, ETFs, options for qualified traders, and much more. Take control of your financial future with Robinhood. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. That's Robinhood.com. Disclosures. Investing involves risk. Other fees may apply. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIP. PC is a registered broker dealer. Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I am Neil Fryman. And I am Toby Howell. On today's show, an EV startup that was supposed to save a Rust Belt town goes bankrupt. And speaking of landing on bankrupt, Wheel of Fortune has a new host. Ben, Neil, run from it, hide from it. The Barbie movie will find you. We'll tell you all about why we're all living in a Barbie world this summer before finishing up with a story about an annoying beeping sound, a cleaning mishap, and 25 years of destroyed scientific research. It's Wednesday, June 28th. Let's ride. All right, Neil, real quick off the top of the show, we have another wildfire situation brewing. Chicago actually had the worst air quality in the world yesterday, but you honestly wouldn't even really know it from scrolling through social media. So I have two theories as to why this wasn't as big a deal as the NYC wildfire situation of a few weeks ago, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Well, go ahead. You just had two theories. All right. My theory is, one, it just wasn't orange enough, which is the big thing that leads to a bunch of social media pictures. This was more of a gray haze, so we weren't getting, like, those those classic social media shots. And then, obviously, like, New York's way too obsessed with itself. That's true. Chicago's a little more self-aware. This smoke has drifted all the way to Europe now, Portugal and France, and it's coming back to New York uh, today, I think, and tomorrow, so you will definitely hear about it. Chicago does have something going for it though and that's the bear season two everyone is talking about oh the, the second have the you seen cooking this? show the cooking show the cooking show i went immediately to the chicago bear no 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 the bear season two the the show about the chef i'm just seeing amazing things about season two it's on hulu so uh you should check it out it's very stressful too right i like, think the second season is less about the kitchen and more about their emotional lives gotcha. which is really striking a chord with people so um Personally, I, I didn't finish season one, so I will have to do that. It, it's now. becoming a theme for you, by the way, with the Titanic movie. I, I can't finish stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can finish a podcast, though. But let's start. Uh, an EV startup that was supposed to save a struggling Ohio town is now in need of saving itself. Lordstown Motors filed for bankruptcy protection yesterday after it failed in its quest to become the Tesla of pickup trucks. It's starting a process to sell its remaining assets and pursue litigation against its largest shareholder, Foxconn, which it accuses of breaching their investment contract by not plugging the company with enough money. Why is this story important? Well, just a few years ago, Lordstown was seen as the savior for an Ohio town that was down on its luck. The town, which is also named Lordstown, uh, found itself without its largest employer when a GM factory that had been operating there for decades closed down. Lordstown said, have no fear. We are here and occupied the plant. The deal was big politically and hyped by President Trump as bringing car making jobs back to the Rust Belt. 
but Lordstown ran into manufacturing issues and it only delivered two of its endurance pickups to customers in the first three months of this year. Yeah, we've been talking about Lordstown for a while because one, it was emblematic of the SPAC boom of oh, yeah. 2020 where you could just take a company public through a reverse merger with an existing company. So that was a big thing. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, this was a symbol of Rust, Rust Belt revival for President Trump. There's a video of him with the CEO of Lordstown Motors out in front of the White House with an endurance pickup truck. So this was really, he was really hanging his hat on this. And it's been a long saga ever since. They just couldn't get these things made. And I think part of it was they were pioneering this new type of EV, which had an electric motor in each wheel. So it was like ultimate four-wheel drive. Mm. And it just never really worked out for them. And you, and you see now it's been a long, slow decline into, into bankruptcy. There was a lot. Do you remember in 2020 and 2021 when there were so many EV startups going public via SPAC? I mean, I, don't even, I haven't heard of these companies. There was Arrival, Canoe, which I do remember actually, Lordstown, Lucid, and Nicola, which are more familiar names. They all went public via SPAC and they're getting crushed right now. I mean, Lordstown shares obviously are... <laughs> down to $2.29, but at their peak in 2021, they were at $400 a share. Crazy. It and was... then Rivian is down, uh, the stock is down 90%. These companies got crushed by the supply chain issues of yeah. the pandemic. I mean, making a car is hard enough, and then when you can't get your components and you're burning through cash and can't sell them yeah. and make any money, it's... they they just kind of ran into a, a buzzsaw. Yeah, and then let's talk a little bit about Foxconn, which is this iPhone manufacturer. They assemble iPhones in China. But the re I'm kind of not on Foxconn's side on this because they withhold they withheld some investment from Lordstown because of an agreement that said that it's a breach of contract if Lordstown's stock falls beneath $1 per share. But then Lordstown did this reverse stock split, which bumped their share price up to $15. So it always felt that um, Foxconn was trying to wiggle out of this deal on a technicality. And Lordstown was like, all right, if you care so much about this arbitrary number, we'll just reduce the amount of shares outstanding. And now our stock's higher. Right. So it was like the whole thing is slimy. They were trying to wriggle out of a deal that doesn't look like it's going to pan out. So Foxconn, I don't think, comes out of this looking too great. They also did the same thing in Wisconsin, kind of, where they were going to build this huge uh, LED plant and they never created the j jobs that were necessary and did not make any friends in Wisconsin. Yeah, so. Foxconn versus the Rust Belt is, is the battle of the century. Yeah. Um, Lordstown is going to be okay, though, because uh, Lordstown Motors, I know this gets a little confusing, sold the plant to Foxconn in 2021. And so Foxconn has this plant and they're still making stuff. Mm -hmm. They're going to make uh, cars for Fisker, which is another EV startup <laughs> I haven't even mentioned yet. Um, you know who comes out of this looking real good? Who? Elon Musk. <laughs> he does. He always does, yeah. He literally started an EV company and took all of the production in-house yeah. and you know went through production hell, which is what these companies went yeah. through. And he created a giant company, but we're seeing right now just how start, just how hard it is to start a uh, start a car company yeah. in this day and age. Do you see any of these, you know, competing with Tesla or making it any of this crop? Eventually, like if you can make a good product still, which that's the big if. But there's always room for different competitors as long as you can, yeah, make something that works. So you need patient investors. Yeah. That's the thing, and a lot of money, and, and a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, investors they look at Elon Musk and they're just like, okay, we trust you you built other yeah. companies before and then these other people at fisker and rivian and lucid are kind of more question marks than elon yeah all right Neil. let's move on to our next story uh you know how they say that the devil works hard 
but Kris Jenner works harder. Well, Barbie's marketing team works harder than both of them. Everywhere you look this summer is hot pink here, Margot Robbie there, Barbie core here, Ryan Gosling there. It's been an inescapable and impressive marketing rollout. So I'm just going to quickly run down some of the stunts that has led to Barbie taking over this summer. So on Monday, Airbnb listed a real-life Barbie Malibu dream house that is 100% hot pink, comes with a slide, and is hosted by just Ken. Uh, Xbox is making a Barbie-themed console. Aldo dropped some pink shoes that come in packaging that looks just like the toy. Forza Motors, which is this realistic driving game, added Barbie to their uh, a Barbie car to their lineup. Homesick Candles made a Barbie-scented candle. And Pinkberry rolled out a bright pink flavor dedicated mm, to the famous doll. sounds good. Looks delicious. So like I said, Barbie is freaking everywhere, and it's leaking into the real world. More people are decorating their homes in the Barbie core style, which consists of a palette that is primarily made up of hot pink. And according to the New York Times, searches for Barbie aesthetic bedrooms on Pinterest jumped 1,135% from May 2022 to May 2023. It's the summer of Barbie, Neil. So I was going to ask you a question. You okay. dyed your hair, you know, <laughs> blonde a few weeks after the trailer came out. <laughs> it wasn't predicated. Are you participating in the Barbie summer? The only way I would feel like I am truly participating is if I went hot pink, which... No, you never know. Like, I could be struck by, uh, after seeing the movie, and go hot pink. But I will say that Google searches for blonde hair dye more yes. than tripled uh, after this trailer That's came me, out. Baby. And when the trailer came out, they also released this selfie generator that mm -hmm. took over social media. And I still see it to this day. People are using this Barbie selfie generator. Honestly, this is the cultural event of the summer. We haven't even talked about the songs that are right. on the soundtrack, right? Didn't Cardi B release a... Bar like a and new then, version of Barbie and, and then Dua Lipa's song. And then Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice. Oh, that's just, it. Just, I confused Cardi B they, and Nicki Minaj. They, they just released a song yeah. yeah, called Barbie, kind of over the original Barbie soundtrack. Yeah, Nicki Minaj is like a most closely associated artist with Barbie in the world, so it makes a lot yeah. of sense. Uh, I forgot this was a movie. I know. I, I wonder if anyone's going to actually see this movie. I, that's the funniest part is no one knows what the movie's really about. Like the trailer gave away no hints. So it's, we're literally just being, uh, uh, we're in on the vibes of the movie right. more so than like the plot. And it does have a stacked cast. You got Will Ferrell, Michael Sarah, Dua Lipa, Helen Mirren's in there, Kate McKinnon. And then, yeah, I know. So I'm going to go see it for sure. The other funny part is that the Barbie movie is just, completely tied to this other movie Oppenheimer because they come out on the same day so you're seeing these hilarious memes of like what's the Oppenheimer like marketing budget gonna do to like the, the Barbie dream house so which one are you seeing first Neil I am seeing Oppenheimer I have no plans to see Barbie I don't think it's come gonna on. be like an actual movie do it for the content um but Mattel to bring it back to business uh Mattel is really hoping that all of these licensing deals pay off because it is kind of in a uh in a hard spot right now. Revenue dropped 22% in the first quarter and it lost $115 million. Things are not going great and Barbie is its biggest line. Yeah. So it's really hoping that all of these will drive actual sales for toys. It may happen. It has to happen. Like it is everywhere. So I'm very bullish on Mattel and like these Barbie figures. I can't wait for next year to figure out like what the year over year growth is. Plus, Plus, the biggest trend in in uh, toys right now is kid dolting. Right. 
adults love the, the toys. We're all the going toys. back to our youth and buying toys and coloring books and uh, Barbie. I mean, Barbie came out in 1959. Yeah. And it still has incredible cultural cachet. But it's true that kidulting, which is, I can't believe I'm saying this word. It's very cringy. But kidults, which are people 12 and over, the biggest tri driver of growth in the toy industry. Yeah. And they account for one-fourth of all toy sales yeah. annually. I'm getting myself a ripstick after this. I miss that thing. <laughs> All right, uh, we're moving on from Barbie, which is very difficult, but uh, the search for the new Wheel of Fortune host is over, and it had none of the drama of Jeopardy. Maybe that's because it's a worse show, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, anyway, America's golden child, Ryan Seacrest, was named the new host yesterday, just two weeks after Pat's, Pat Sajak, the show's host of more than 40 years, announced his retirement. Seacrest is joining a show that's declined from its heights, but still is a cultural tour de force. At its peak in the 1980s, Wheel of Fortune commanded a nightly audience of more than 40 million viewers, including my grandma. Now that's down to about 8.6 million, which is not too shabby, and just behind Jeopardy's 9.1 million. Plus, it goes viral every once in a while when someone messes up a solve so badly. It is hilarious. Is this a good move? I think it's a great move, mostly because uh, Ryan Seacrest, you're like, oh my gosh, how can he do so much? But this is the goat of all hosting jobs. You only have to, there's reports that Pat Sajak was only working four days a month. And obviously, those are probably action packed days, but he was bringing in reportedly $15 million a year. So if I'm Ryan Seacrest, I'd sign up for that in a heartbeat. Like you, again, you take over this cultural institution, you're not working a whole lot more, and you're getting paid a pretty penny. So I think this just is another check on Seacrest's list of greatest hosts of all time. Whoa, greatest host of all time. Jeho oh, am I writing that down for you? Jeho host, yeah. Um, but the T here, the, the best T is about Vanna White. Right. Crazy. Crazy. So Vanna White apparently has not gotten a raise in 18 years. She's being paid $3 million a year compared to Pat Sajak's $15 million. Yeah. But they joined the the show same at time. the same time. So Vanna White is lawyering up. She hired a very super high-powered high lawyer, and she's trying to, to grab her bag. Um, yeah. So all power to Vanna White. It's crazy. People freaked out when they realized. Oh, well, deservedly so. She's more iconic, I would argue, than Pat Sajak in terms of cultural cash if we're talking about that because yeah she is the person that you most associate with wheel of fortune in my mind yeah and it's and she was honestly in the running to be the host and a lot of people kind of wanted her to right. be the host that would have been fun honestly okay here's my question for you on wheel of fortune i just thought of when you say you're on the show okay would you be very conscious about how much force you were applying to the wheel to land on a particular number i've always wondered that i'm sure they get coaching that you're if we see you trying to finesse it then really yeah they'll get mad because yeah you it doesn't spin that fast and i'm sure you could like figure it out so i i'm pretty sure and my friend's dad actually went on wheel of fortune and you get like a little bit of coaching that says if we see you trying to finesse the wheel we'll oh get that's mad no at you. fun i thought you could like i thought there was a minimum rotation right right stuff like number that. of revolvers that you need or revolutions <laughs> that you need to happen people would get on wheel of fortune immediately get kicked off for trying to uh I mean, you got to game the system. That's, yeah. how you, that's how you win on game shows. There you go. All right, Neil, before we jump into the next story, we're going to take a quick break. Neil, Wall Street has had a bit of a weird year with a couple of banks collapsing and the market doing kickflips every time Jerome Powell speaks. But one integral part of the financial sector is having a banner year. 
interns. Median intern pay for those working in finance roles jumped 19% of the top 16 firms, according to this site, levels.fyi. That pay bump got even higher at hedge funds, where hourly pay is up 29% year over year. So how much... uh, how much would a median hedge fund internship pay a fresh face college intern? $111 an hour, which comes out to 4400 in pre-tax earnings per week. The creme de la creme of internships that will line your pockets and your resume is actually at Ken Griffin's Citadel, where interns are getting paid $120 an hour. That led to Citadel receiving 69,000 applications for its 2023 internship I was program. one of them. Back, yeah, I, I well, should be. That's that's my next line, Neil, is that we're in the wrong career. Let's go be interns for freaking Ken Griffin. Oh, my God. This is crazy. It's, it's, it's huge. $230,000 a year, I, I think <laughs> I calculated it out. Disgusting. To me, that's not an internship. Yeah. That's full-time. literally, you're basically, that's a full-time job. And that's what the whole point of this is, is that hedge funds and investment banks want to lure top talent. And even though they've had a rough year, and we know that Goldman and a bunch of other banks have laid off staff, they're still uh, still have plenty of money to hire top talent. And even in a downturn, you still need superstars. Right. So they've got a piggy bank stashed away to find superstar interns uh, that could eventually become their superstar bankers and make huge deals yeah. in the next few years. Yeah. And there's definitely this kind of exodus away from tech and back into finance because, I mean, if we go over the past year, over 200,000 tech workers have been laid off and they have to kind of go somewhere. So there's this renewed interest in finance as one of those prestige careers again. Like Like for a while, tech was the new finance, honestly, where like you want an internship at Meta, at Google, at these big tech companies. And now that's luster has uh, kind of rubbed off a little bit. And so you're seeing a a return to the norms of finance being like that prestige culture uh that you want as yeah. a college intern it's like a value stock right right like <laughs> yeah. mcdonald's or johnson and johnson it's like you go it's always going to be there it's probably going to grow it's very stable so yeah. when things get a little uncertain i'm gonna maybe go back to finance but also most finance jobs now not most but a lot of them are tech right so it's not even your problem you may not even be doing anything different i mean yeah. at some banks 40 percent of all open roles are ai roles <laughs> jp morgan has like three ai adjacent roles open so if you work at meta and you can be like okay i may just do the same thing yeah. at jp morgan so it's not that big of a deal i'm so. applying neil like just of even, course just to see if i can so get so much money yeah all right um we're moving on from finance to gas uh it's the end of an era in oregon and no damian lillard is not leaving the trailblazers uh last week the state's lawmakers ended a ban on self-serve gas that's been in place for 72 years now oregonians will be allowed to pump their own gas uh oregon was just one of two states that still required attendance to fill up your tank for you new jersey of course is the final holdout for full service and for the rest of this story i'm gonna say gas in uh in solidarity with new jersey um this was a long time coming uh fuel companies had been pushing for self-serve in oregon for a while because of staffing shortages at gas stations they said that half of the pumps at gas stations were closed anyway because there wasn't anyone to man them drivers too are probably ready for a change because they will no longer have to wait in lines for a pump that had no attendant uh so this to me seems like 
the National League finally adopting the DH. Yeah. There was just total inertia and status quo bias because it had been going on so long. So my question is, what is going on in New Jersey? I know. I see the argument. It's very hard to say, like, we want to get rid of all of these. I mean, it's not a ton of jobs, but whenever you're on the side of, like, let's get rid of jobs, it's always a tough sell, which is funny, though, because 49 other states obviously got it done. But honestly... You don't want to get rid of jobs, but you also don't want to pay these gas station workers more. And so you're kind of in a rock and a hard place. Like, yes, keep the jobs, but then if you want them to still have jobs, pay them more, then you'll have more people yeah. doing them. So it is it's crazy that we're that. I think a lot of people, if they haven't gone on like a cross country road trip, never would have known that this existed in New Jersey and Oregon. So it's kind of good that Oregon's sunsetting it, in my yeah. opinion. So, uh, full service has kind of an interesting history because yeah. gas stations originally pushed for full service in the early days because it was a profit center. Because you would come in, they would pump your gas, and they would also change your tires, yeah. change your oil, wipe your windshield. It was kind of this this big operation. Yeah. Well, and it was seen as dangerous too. Like that, that's why right. there was a law against pumping your own gas because gas stations in the early days, like the, that's a flammable thing that you're putting in your car. So that was like one of the reason it was re regulated in the first. Right. Place. And that's what the, that's why there's this 1949 uh, act from New Jersey called the retail gasoline dispensing safety act, which uh, is still in effect, yeah. obviously. Um, and it cited fire hazards and exposure to toxic fumes, particularly in the case of pregnant women, as justifying uh, full service. <laughs> I'm just getting I'm getting confused. I'm saying full service and self-service self all the time. Yeah. No, full service. Um, so but what changed was that uh, the cars had to be serviced at dealerships. So that kind of sucked away all of the profits from gas mm -hmm. stations. And then they were like, let's just go volume. Right. Like we are, we're not going to make money on doing all of the yeah. bells and whistles. Let's just get as many people as possible into our gas stations um so that's kind of what happened new jersey is the final holdout i don't think it's going to change soon because there was a recent poll said that 73 percent of new jerseyans prefer to have having their gas pumped for them uh and the the governor is like i'm not touching that that is a third rail of politics in new jersey it's just a part of our culture yeah uh, we're just not going to touch it but uh before the show toby and i decided to rank our top three uh gas station experiences for all the people in new in Oregon, who are about to experience this for the first time. Absolutely. Well, hit me with yours first. All right. I will go, number one, the smell. Beautiful. Oh, my God. It smells so, so good. good. So sweet. Don't sniff gas fumes, by the way. We do not endorse, endorse that. <laughs> it does smell good, and a lot of people can corroborate that. Uh, the second one is taking your finger off the nozzle at a round number. Never done it before. Really? I, I can't do it. It's like it's like spinning the wheel in Wheel of Fortune. It's too oh, I'm really good at it. Hit me at the 20. But the problem is if you go a little over, then you're just another 10 bucks. Yeah, is gone. exactly. Um, and then the final one is the sound of the nozzle clicking when it's full. Very. It's a good feeling. Like it's, it's right up there with taking your ski boots off at the end mm. of a long ski day as one of the more satisfying things. All right, Neil, that is a great uh, gas station round. Up. Let's head to our final story. It takes us to the halls of Rennesler Polytechnic Institute, where there's a lawsuit brewing between a research lab and a cleaner who thought he was just doing his job. So this research lab had 25 years of specimens stored in a freezer set to minus 80 degrees Celsius. So something went a little bit amiss in that freezer, so an alarm started beeping, signaling that the temperature had risen just a little bit. But this was in 2020 during the middle of COVID. So there was no way for a repair to go through in, in time. And so they put a note on the freezer saying, this freezer is beeping as it is under repair. 
Please do not move or unplug it. No cleaning required in this area. That was in all caps, by the way. But along came a cleaner who heard that annoying beeping sound and shut off a breaker that led to the freezer. By the time the scientists noticed, the temperature had risen 50 degrees and the samples were destroyed. Now the school is suing the cleaning company for failing to adequately train their employee. Whose side are you on here, Neil? I'm on the researcher side. Can you imagine working on something for 25 years Brutal. and you hadn't seen it to completion and then someone flicks a switch and something you'd been working on for, you know, probably about half of your life life yeah is gone i know it's i don't know what that's like you just retire there's real money on the line here too because the researchers estimate that it'll take at least a million dollars to start to recreate the experiment and then honestly the cleaning company had a one and a half or 1.4 million dollar contract with the school and so this lawsuit has a couple million dollars on the line on either side but yeah just so you said you're on the cleaner side i know well because I'm on the cleaner side because he thought he was helping. He heard a beeping noise. And he, he also said he thought he was turning the breaker switch on. Right. And so he was like, oh, maybe the breaker's been off. Let me flip this on. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's a cleaner. Like, they, at the end of the day, I do think they're just doing their job. But, and I, and I sympathize with someone who hears an annoying beeping noise. <laughs> Sometimes all you want to do is That's fix true. It, There's so. nothing worse than that. Yeah. As good as gas station smells, beeping <laughs> noises are annoying. That is our show. Thanks for listening and watching, everyone. Hope you have a great Wednesday. If you want to get in contact with us, our email is morningbrewdaily at morningbrew.com. Let us know what your favorite gas station experiences huge shout out to our crew who put the show together emily milliron is our editor and producer samantha velas and raymond Liu are the associate producers yuchenna waogu is our technical director billy menino is on audio hair and makeup is upset about how their longtime client vanna white has been treated and frankly i agree devin emery is our chief content officer and our show is a production of morning brew great show today neil let's run it back tomorrow 